connect. Searching. Now connected to You Got a Story podcast. <coughs> yeah. What's good, y'all? It's your host, me, O to the motherfucking T, and this is You Got a Story back again for another week. What it doobie doobie do? What's up, guys? Excuse the noise. But what's up, guys? How y'all doing? I hope well. We've got another week of life, and we are here again. The date is the 28th. We're about to hit April Fool's. Ooh, it's about to be a nice, nice week next week with all the commotions we're going to experience. But we're not here to talk about commotions. We're here to talk about stories. And there is no other story that I love hearing about and hearing from and talking with than the guests that I'm about to bring forward today. This is one of the a fan favorites, you know, my one of my favorite people to talk to, and a very enlightened individual for his age. Something you always, always have to appreciate, you know, because you are, we are ages, but we always forget that the number is just a number. We are whoever we are in time at that moment. Ooh, that was too deep. Maybe too deep for right now, but whatever. Please, ladies and gentlemen, help me introduce the one, the only, the very, very special OJ. Hey, what's up, man? <laughs> How's it going? going I don't on? know. This guy is, uh, he's old, but he's not, he's not that old. <laughs> the fuck kind of intro is that? I lost it and had to bring it back a little bit, not go front. Yeah. Um, how you doing? I'm doing okay, man. You know, had a, had a, uh, a bowl full of therapy this morning, so I'm feeling kind of full. How you doing? All right. I'm doing all right. How, how, uh, how's therapy going? I think it's going well. Um, yeah, I think it's going well. It's definitely helping me uh, find ways of, of understanding my emotions in real time. Mm-hmm. Right. And if I can't understand my emotions, understanding that uh, I, I need time to process my emotions. So therefore, don't respond or react to anything until you have time to deal with it on a personal level. So that's always good. Yeah. Yeah. Has ha, has that um, translated? Has has there been a breakthrough where you're able to enact that that level of perspective in real time? I can't say so because uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> appreciate the honesty. <laughs> I can't say so. Of course not. Right? There hasn't really been a cataclysmic. Am I saying it right? Cataclysmic. Cataclysmic. Yeah, cataclysmic. There we go. Damn, that's a hard word. Um, there hasn't been something like that in my life for me yet to have to deal with uh, mm-hmm. because of this quarantine. I'm, I, I'm cut off from all drama and, the, and mm-hmm. unless I'm reaching out for it, right? So life hasn't hit me hard yet. Uh, knock on wood. It's going to happen regardless. But And then I'll be able to tell then. But so far, you know, it's just it's a lot of uh, communicating and, and, and her, you know, my therapist explaining to me my, um, you know, my, my feelings, you know, that while I'm venting and ranting and all my excursions of, of emotions, you know, we can bring it back. And, um, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's one of those. Do you be going in there with like a game plan or is it just your, does your therapist, is, are they good at leading the conversation? I don't have a game plan. I just talk. <laughs> I just walk oh, in. Okay. And they have a game plan maybe or like she'll go back to what we touched on 
before. But I've learned that, you know, therapists know what button. I don't know if they do it intentionally, but they know what button gets you there. <laughs> I, think they, I, think they I don't know if you. these trained professionals know what the fuck they're doing, but <laughs> sometimes. <ooh. laughs> it's going to be like magic, Fred G. Because you be feeling fine, and then you start talking about one topic that's triggering, and you just, I just go on a whole rant, and it's just. And it's just like, whoa, shit. Why are you so angry, guy? I got you in therapy. I would have said, oh, shit. He's barking like a dog. Why is he just going whoop, 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 So, yeah, that's that's fun. I mean, you're in therapy too, right? Yeah. Have you? I have a question. Um, have you ever, with one of your stories, made your therapist shed a tear? Um, not necessarily a, a story. I think my primary, um, my par- primary influence for getting into therapy was like these uh, these episodes I would have right after I. Uh, retired from stand-up comedy. I collected my pension. Um, <laughs> and I think I was just trying to process this 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 grief of um, not being able to do the thing that I want to do the way I want to do it and also find other ways to um, just be, you know, to have both the conflict of the issue at hand, which I interpreted as, oh man, I gotta get an adult ass job. <laughs> I got this partner or whatever who tells me <laughs> what to do. And uh, I gotta do things I don't wanna do. Like that kind of like, like very. Uh, right very specific mindset uh, formed mostly from just doing comedy all the time and that the only only the only priority was doing comedy not even like getting uh, going to the doctor <laughs> just like as long as I got this this show on Thursday that I host and get three to five sets in a week I'm good I think I think uh it was more like a, a crash, uh, an emotional uh, crash from like a sugar high rather than, you know, uh, I found my passion and then I, I broke my leg and I could never do stand up the same again. Like it wasn't on that level. Uh, but yeah, I was having a hard time with that. And then I think from there, it's just a lot of realizing how connected uh, my emotionality and also my uh, process is my emotional processes and just being like, oh, the real the real issue is that I feel alone and I feel like I've been alone my entire life. <laughs> and then reaching that point with like um, a uh, an anecdote or with a visual will sometimes be like, wow, that's really 
hard and you know a little wide with the tears but it's i i think a lot of myself still holds back in therapy and as much as like like i i treat therapy like it's physical therapy or having a trainer where i'm just like we're only here to work on my glutes my <laughs> glutes and my quads i got my arm guy my friend kenny we do bench presses and that weird prison push-up shake each other's hand push-up things that i've seen on instagram right. or not even on instagram i see that on like uh first 48 uh this person went into jail and he's going to be on he's going to trial but they don't have anywhere to hold him so they're gonna break <laughs> take his ass to real ass prison and there's just these super yoke dudes doing these like prison exercises that are just like do you have legs it seems like those are like (laughs) fake legs and then you are all upper body (laughs) because you're over here doing break dance moves in between your (laughs) push-ups so yeah I, i i i use conversations with other people to achieve certain because you know it's like there's certain things that as skilled and trained as she is she doesn't know what uh stand up and that that uh almost that 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 hunger for the the drama of a scene is you know like she can be like oh yeah it seems like people are taking advantage of you and they don't understand your boundaries and you're just like but that's all i want those are the people I want to hang out with. <laughs> right, right. Trifling ass comedians. <laughs> right. So I, I, I'd probably have to talk to a few other comedy homies about that. But she's she's really good at what I need therapy for, which is to like recontextualize life events so that I don't create a narrative where I'm being forced to do anything or put upon. Mm. Uh, so yeah. But all that is very tied into like family and growing up and uh, different modes of thinking and different uh, coping mechanisms that may be healthy and may not be healthy. Right. All right. Now that sounds similar to mine um, in terms of like basically everything you said and and even the alone part. the lone part was is interesting only because I remember going up watching I Am Legend and thinking that's the greatest fucking life in the world. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> but as you get older, as, at least as I'm getting older, I'm like that sucks. Like mm-hmm. in retrospect, like to have to fall in love with a mannequin and your only person <laughs> you hang out with is a dog. I'm glad you expanded upon without me asking what what was so appealing about uh, I Am Legend. I'm glad you got some lesson out of that movie, which is even if it's as minimal as it sucks to fall in love with a mannequin and only hang out with a dog. (laughs) (laughs) For real, for real. Nah, it's definitely, definitely. That was my lesson. I was like, I, I don't want to be on this earth alone. Like, if, if, if society was like, all right, Octavius, we're all going to die. You're going to be the last one on earth for a while. You're, you're going to need you to hold it out. Be, be the fourth. I'd, I'd die right there. i just kill myself. I'm not going to deal with this alone <laughs> shit for the rest of my fucking life. Like, I don't give a fuck how many animals I can hang out with. <laughs> I don't give a fuck what the world left behind in these, like, all the Twinkies in the world are not going to make me want to be on this earth any longer than I have to be. Like, fuck out of here. So, 
for you, what, what do you, I guess, where do you, you feel it the most? Like, I, I'd imagine it's a little bit hard to, uh, bring into action any suggestions for not feeling lonely while you're also in a, a pandemic. Uh, right. I guess, <laughs> w- w- where, where do you feel the most lonely? Cause I, I think for me, uh, a lot of the revelations of therapy is like, Oh, I feel most alone with my family. If only because there's just, <laughs> there's a, there's, there's a lot of people taking up a lot of space. Um, <laughs> It's hard to, you know, there's not a lot of good listeners in our, in our family unit. There's a lot of good talkers. Uh, and there's some people who have theories about your life that they uh, are interested to hear if you could confirm they're not. But they're not like, oh, yeah, that must have been hard. How else did you feel? <laughs> well, we got to understand, we're looking at our family members who at least I view, think their lives were harsher. Oh yeah. No, it's, it's a competition. It's this, it's, it's the uh, tragedy Olympics. And (laughs) some people are getting sponsorship deals on their, (laughs) on, on, on their, uh, on their tragedy. Right. Right. No, seriously. Um, And yeah, like it's, it is interesting you know uh, loneliness it's it's because i'm at my my i'm at my i feel my most alone when i'm like in bed about to pass out Mm -hmm. or you know wake up alone like that's when my loneliness really affects me right Uh, because once i'm up and i'm moving then i can just find distractions in my life to keep me busy from thinking that i'm lonely right i can work i can gym i can shower Mm -hmm. i guess shower is lonely too but it's a better <laughs> <laughs> my group showers at the Y. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, no. Well, um, how do you, I, cause like, I think a similar thing happened to me when I was, uh, a little bit younger and as much as like just doing comedy by myself, having like a, a, a crew, and like a house full of people, but also feeling like I got to do my own thing. I'm like struggling to get by. It's all these things that become uh, anxiety in the face of like not having anyone else to uh, to answer to. Is is there a real sense of like like I'm gonna change my ways? I'm gonna find ways to. <laughs> integrate into a community or what's how are you gonna get out of this homes (laughs) um no it's not really because i had kind of that early on in in life right i went to new york and became a part of a community in newburgh i had friends Mm -hmm. that it was similar to you only we didn't live together like it was all like we all want to hang out and do things and party together like on some uh duce palooza type thing hmm and that was who I hung out with on a daily basis for like three years straight. It was them every day. One of them. One of these people was in my life every day. Mm-hmm. And so I was already a part of something, but it was the same thing you, that you talked about. We're all still individually trying to get our own, trying to get out, trying to make a better life. And then we'll reach back and bring our homies with us when we can. But ultimately, 
it's about right now for us because we we're the ones suffering we're the ones broke we're the ones hustling really to figure it out Mm -hmm. and that's what college was right that's what that's when i started going to college in new york and and i took a couple classes and it was fucking hard to balance right it was hard to balance them college and my job so you know decisions had to be made and i thought with the help of our pops you know he said you know, go to school. I'll support. I'll I'll throw you some money to help you with your 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 finances, and then you could just take less time of work. And then he he thought about it some more, and he said, you know, just move back here. They're doing out of state fees are crazy. They're not gonna fuck with you. Just if you're still if you're still in California, excuse me, if you're still in California, just come out to California and let's just do it that way. And that's what I did, and that's how I left the nest in a sense with my my uh, constituents back in Newburgh. Is that the right word? Constituents? Yeah. Uh, well, I don't think you're a mayor, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think you have any constituents. Maybe right. your, your comrades or yeah. colleagues my or friend, something. My, my friend, my family away from family, right? Like, yeah. Like the closest things to brothers that I'll ever have is beyond my own brothers is these people right here. Oh, I was about to get so offended. <laughs> I was like, why am I on this fucking call? He got brothers in Newburgh. Get them a, a USB microphone. They don't got what that. you were saying. But um, yeah, man. So I get. I, I mean, I can't understand it completely, but I do see what you're coming from with realizing you want more, but comedy is not going to provide that. So what can you do next? What can you? How can you uplift yourself out of this situation? Well, right? am I wrong or right? I don't know. I I think you're kind of right. I think with comedy, um. It wasn't that it wasn't providing something. It was definitely providing a lot of stuff, and it, it still does. I, I think it is like the goal with comedy um, is usually external. You know, it's it's built on things that you can't control. It's about uh, even if it's just like getting the spark to write a really good bit, you're still waiting on some source whether it be your like own determination to just like hammer out these jokes or to ask people for help and collaborate on on wording and stuff even up to oh i want to get like snl or whatever your your big goal is they're all they're never it's very rarely about just being on stage you know and for me it was all about being on stage you know it was yeah, it was all about uh, either from hosting or, or doing a show. It's just that that thrill of like being seen and, and and saying things that emanated from me, you know. And with that kind of being decentralized, I think it's still important to feel seen and feel heard and be yourself. But for that specific art form to be decentralized as the most important thing in my life. It was about like, all right, how can I, how can I find something as fulfilling without having to, you know, go every Sunday to the punchline to hang out back and wait till 12, one in the morning to go up at La Rocca's or to, <laughs> like kill myself trying to list all these uh, comedy shows and comedy shows dates and have the uh, 
have colleagues that actually do what they say they're going to like <laughs> it wasn't so much like a a discussion of passion it was what are the negative aspects of this thing that you like and how can you minimize them and is that okay can you just be okay with the compromise and for a while it wasn't and right now it is and it's an ongoing dialogue i saw heard somebody say like oh you it's funny because you're you're still because of the way you left comedy you're still performing even though you're not performing you're making it a point to say that like oh i'm not telling jokes rather than i am telling jokes and that's i think that's true i think every comedian who whether it's a calling or if it's just a natural talent like you're a comedian regardless of what you do you know there's there, uh, a mm. comedian by the name of tom amino or amiano san francisco cat and he works in you know politics he's like on some things in the library of congress where he gave a quote but he's funny in the quote and he's just his stage is now just the building in sacramento or whatever um so finding finding some type of equilibrium with that is uh it's not even just important it's just like we all get this like not capitalist mindset but we all get this like these parameters for success you know and i think with comedy it's pretty clear of just like you kill and then you, you do well enough to kill at a bigger venue <laughs> and then you get you kill hard enough to like make a company and television shows and stuff like that and it's just like but what if what if not <laughs> <laughs> right like what if what if we didn't have to go by that uh and that's that's a constantly evolving question because like you know am i one like conversation with uh with my partner to be like oh i, I gotta do stand up again like i hope not that sounds like that'd be really limiting our relationship time mm -hmm. <laughs> and my time to do other things uh so yeah just defanging this this uh this this feeling that this thing that i'm kind of good at is everything i need to be doing at a given given time it's really hard it's a constant constant thing so you you it's interesting i mean it's always interesting to, to talk to the people that got it and hear the here it's not hum, um, humility that that prevents you from saying you're the dopest it's more of insecurities right because i if am you, i huh? am i am i saying are you saying i'm insecure about saying that you're better than you think you are in comedy um well i'm funny that's that's all you need not... motherfucker. what else do you need to be in the comedy that's it that... that's the, ain't no gauge of funny it's you're funny and you can make people hear your jokes or you're not it's funny but the, the problem with comedy i think patrice said at once is just like i thought i was just going up here to tell jokes but now i gotta worry about my fan I got to worry about doing enough shitty gigs to make this overhead fan that's keeping me cool right now continue to work. And 
in that way, comedy is a lie. You know, there's no, there's as many weekend warriors are there. I think there's a, like a real pressure to like get up a certain amount of sets and do a certain amount of rooms and do get accepted, become undeniable, do the hour, you know, build the material. Like it's all this fucking multi media, multi-level marketing that comedy does to keep you in. And as funny as I am, my, my creative process wouldn't, wouldn't allow me to just like be funny. Like I'd have to generate the amount of material so I don't get bored. And I would have to become so skilled at generating material that actually works to make it worthwhile and like try to advance. And then I would have to do enough networking to feel like I'm taking it seriously. And then I'd have to do the shows that I networked for to feel like I'm fulfilling the whole promise of the thing. And that just sounds boring. Like I know that life, you know, on a smaller scale, I know that life. And I'm, I'm very thankful that I was able to get to a place with mental health and and with, um, just these different life experiences that made it okay to just be okay. You know, like I could just be funny and not, have to kiss anybody's ass to do it right you know right, right. yeah 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 it's interesting I, go ahead sorry no that that's that's pretty much it is is uh you know divorcing uh <laughs> my divorcing my opinion of myself from this very finite very hyperactive multiple points of feedback it's a drug how can i how can i move on from being on a drug yep no you're right right. it's interesting it's very interesting because what you're talking about is you are you're you're annoyed by the middleman of comedy by the middleman and middleman and middleman of comedy it's all these middle people that you got to hang out with and 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 grease palms with just to just to even get upper level up in the industry itself you know what is really annoying though it's not so much the that people the people aspect of it or even like the institution aspect i i don't i don't like anything that makes me feel like i need to be like impressed with people and i'm not talking about like gatekeepers i'm talking about like why if I see a comedian I like, who's only like kind of more famous than I was when I was starting, why do I get like a flop sweat? Why do I gotta like, what in me makes me feel like, Oh, this person's better than me. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta impress them somehow. That's, that's a huge part of the therapy I do as well. It's just like, how do I ground myself? So when I'm in these situations where I'm around things that I like and I'm around people that I'm like, I'm just cool. I don't have to. I don't have to play pretend like I'm cool. That I'm just cool. That I just right. feel rooted in the situation. Because uh, 
I'm gonna be real. I, as much as I love people, I, I hate people. <laughs> I hate people suck. People suck so much, and they pretend like they don't suck, and then they say something to you that like wants you to validate that they don't suck, and they totally suck. Right, right. And you—that's all I met in comedy. And you know, as many cool people and as many like many of the great minds and inspirations and camaraderie that I've gotten from comedy, I've gotten so many people who's just sad white dudes <laughs> who are just like, hey, black guy that doesn't scare me as much as the other black guys, why did you make me feel bad? It's like, get the fuck out of my face. Get out of my face. So it's not the people who could potentially like boost me up or hold me back. It's just you get put into a lot of situations and a lot of social situations where it's just like, uh, I'm not ready to commit to this thing enough to not deal with you on some like creative stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not willing to get on so that I'm at a higher class of comedian. So you don't bother me about this. Right. Right. I'm I'm too on street level to be dealing with these fucking jabronis. They're jabronis. (laughs) These fiats. These peasants. You want the you want to curry favor with the king? I'm the king of shit mountain. There's different kingdoms out there. Divine right. Just Speak means on. that you have some people who will do some stuff for you in in whatever endeavor it is. If you're the big maha, as they say, <laughs> maha. and it's just like, I, I would I would need a significant upgrade. I would need to I would need to insulate myself with a moat and multiple like bannermen, and got so that yes, an assistant. Give me something. Give me something so that I don't have to deal with these people. Okay, okay. That that makes sense. For you, having an assistant actually for that regard would make the most sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, I mean, I guess we can close with this question for the for this topic. Um, do you think open mics are dead? Nah, open nah. mics aren't dead. They'll never die. There's too many. There's, there's, I would, I would estimate there's a, a cool 50K comedians in america let alone the world it's just so easy to do you know it's a bar and a pa system and some annoyed people trying to drink their drink as fast as possible so they can leave and then there's just a bunch of comedians who will you know keep the bar open just long enough do enough buy enough drinks for they to allow you to do it next week that's all that's all an open mic is it's a place that'll let you do it next week Hmm. now it might be different uh and you know there's a lot of stuff that because i'm not ingrained in comedy i don't know how people are doing it but um if the showcases are happening all these zoom showcases and like we're doing it on a roof Six feet apart, kind of weird, <laughs> <laughs> weird outdoor comedy experiences. 
then there's definitely some people because if you go to open mic it's dead already it's it's just people who don't know they don't they are jaded Mm-hmm. Or they are or naive. They're either laughing because they don't know any better, or they're chuckling at your demise. <laughs> yeah. And it's beautiful in that way. But like, <laughs> I'm I'm writing a book on comedy on San Francisco comedy right now. And dope. Um, What's the title? It's just like you know, History Press presents the. <laughs> San Francisco comedy, 1950 to 2021 or whatever. Okay. And the most common thing is like, there's, there's beloved clubs, you know, comedy clubs. And in the eighties and the nineties, they were able to sustain themselves because there was a high demand of people who wanted to go outside to just experience live comedy. And then cable came and changed the dynamics with that. But for a while it was very viable. Even, even though these places were beer and wine only. You know, they didn't have a liquor license. There's something prohibitively expensive about running a business that specifically only is open when you can book private events and then from like the hours of seven to 12 or seven to three, you know, you're not getting a lot of like afternoon comedy experiences. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you just have this space that lives and dies on alcohol sales and they all went down when, even though there's, you know, hundreds of comedians that would filter in there throughout the week. They just didn't have enough capital as a, as a, um, as an industry, you know, there's just, it, it wasn't like a restaurant where people can feed back into the restaurant because you get paid to work at the restaurant. Like <laughs> there's so many broke comedians at that point that these places like Holy city zoo and Josie's uh, juice bar, they just, it's closed and like that's the ultimate indictment on comedy as like a culture is that like great places can close because there's just no money in it for it so that's why all these bars will give you their off night and it's just like they're not expecting you to make their nut over a week it's just a monday what else are they gonna do watch the fucking dodgers game or whatever there's enough there's like you know, a hundred comedians that will filter in. Most of them won't even get stage time. They just want to get like FaceTime. And so with that low bar of entry and low risk for the people involved, there's always going to be more comedians wanting to like make something slightly more engaging than the Dodgers game. uh, Then there will be not. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but the concept of an open mic is probably going to continue as long as we all believe that we're all special snowflakes and we have something to say, something to put out in the world. You got to hear my dating is hard. All right. And I, I hate to say it, but men and women are different. And if I don't say that into a microphone once, twice, maybe three times a week, the world will be a worse place, and then the terrorists will win. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I, I remember my experience with it. Um, I just didn't have the time. I was going to college, but I do remember going on open mics thanks to you at that club. And uh, store club, people still talk them. about that. They do. Oh store yeah, 
there's some people there's like some people in comedy that are a little bit younger than me that was like that was their bike and it's always nice to hear oh uh, yeah good i i, I always liked it because i thought you were a great host and thank uh, you yeah i thought you were you had that in the bag and uh in fact i was afraid i was gonna really become charlie murphy because to me you eddie so yeah <laughs> yeah you're eddie so whenever i seen like like i remember this one time we was there my first day there uh or maybe my second time coming back and you were getting everybody together to to assemble before we started and you were saying something and somebody like from the back just said something that interrupted you and made you look at him mm-hmm. and i i remember thinking yo if this goes any further, i'm gonna fuck him up like, <laughs> i'm gonna pick him up and slam him in this bar i don't give a fuck if i gotta drag him out this bar i'm gonna beat the shit out this nigga and that was my mindset <laughs> A very rare mindset. No, nah, it's not rare. It's not no, rare. It's it's rare in comedians. I'm, I'm sure family members are very protective of the comedian friend or, or com- comedian family member. But uh, yeah, the other comedians are probably just like, hey man, sh- sh- shut up. I'm just trying to get this stage time. Exactly. They weren't thinking about how do I make OJ feel <laughs> valued? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you how you make him feel unvalued. Interrupting while he's talking, damn it. How about you shut the fuck up and listen? That's what yeah. I was thinking. So, like, like I mean, that's how I feel. I appreciate it. Of course, bro. You, I've, I've always thought you were just born too early in life. Like, I think if... if <laughs> Wait, are we talking about... <laughs> are we talking about, like, uh, in terms of, like, the, the linear of time or are you talking about my mindset versus the era that i grew up in i, I need to know <laughs> you need to know no i um, it's more of just the the placement of how mother had us right like if 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 i was born in 88 instead and you were born in 92 mm. i think it just would have been a better fit for society like for our society <laughs> our family <laughs> like, why because I think me and Kendrick were the brothers that, like, we value family enough to put our life on the line for it. Like, mm-hmm. we're going to protect you. Like, we'll th- I will throw my life away from my family, my mom, my brothers, my, and you know what I'm saying? Just because that's just how I am. Like, mm-hmm. like you know what I'm saying? And I think you needed more brothers older to protect you in that way. Because you weren't the aggressive brother. You weren't the outspoken brother. You were quiet reading Harry Potter books. And that was great. But you didn't have a, a big enough shield. Like, oh, uh, Kendrick is 15 years older than me, meaning he's, like, 11 years older than you. There was not much he could do to guide you and to be a bigger brother that you probably could have benefited from. And I'm too young and impressionable <laughs> as a child learning from the streets, my damn self, that I can't be there. Like, I would hope, I would pray to God that you'd come home and tell me somebody did something to you. Because that would be the highlight of my motherfucking week. <laughs> we going yeah. to get that nigga. But that wasn't true. You're saying my, my the world has been uh, damaged due to my lack of confidence, primarily by being a um, a younger sibling with henchmen. I feel like there's some le- legitimacy to that. I've seen some younger <laughs> siblings that just they talk. They, they, no, nothing's going to stop them. They're talking all this way out the side of their neck because they know they got too uh, too brolic brolic siblings that'll yep. that'll do something to them. Maybe there's just some legitimacy to that. I don't know. I think <laughs> I think everything happened how it needed to happen, and I think you know my talent or whatever is uh, it's second it's secondary to the perspective of uh, being a middle child that uh, that 
that nobody was checking for. <laughs> it was left to his own devices in lieu of uh, in lieu of a lot of factors, and was constantly uh, on the on the lower end of the totem pole in terms of of resources. I think it it built me it toughened me up in a in a different way. Right. I tried to I tried to help out and and because you weren't excited about being an older brother, so I tried to take that back from you and let you just be an only child. Try to get <laughs> what you wanted, you know. Yeah, you got you you got into enough fights and almost burned the house down just for me, so that you would have to go to daycare and I could be a little latchkey kid. <laughs> I don't remember the fire, but yeah, I mean, even further than that, I left the family. I left to go live with our father, so our, mm-hmm. our biological father. So that was my way of giving back. Because I was thinking about that, you know, not to make this a family therapy thing, but I was thinking about that earlier about, yeah, no, I remember not being wanted because mm-hmm. I was just too much. And mm-hmm. I gave y'all the present of my absence. Mm-hmm. And that's what, and so I gave you what you wanted. You want to be the only child. You want to be the, you don't want me in your business. You don't want, you don't want to be taking on the responsibility of an older brother. But how, how, um, I guess how intentional was that? Because it, I, for me, I didn't have the capacity of, like, I'm older than you, but I'm not that much older than you in terms of, like, my mentality wasn't to be, like, a, you know, this wasn't the boxcar children. I was like, you know, <laughs> let me just be, like, a goofy kid, a little precocious, like, like highfalutin, eccentric media that was the extent of who I needed to be at that time. I didn't have the mindset to be a provider, let alone like a therapist. Uh, so that would be the only thing that I would say to that. But how were how how benevolent were you when you're just like, you know what? I'm not getting because it seems more like you were not getting what you needed, and then you thought you could get what you needed somewhere else. It wasn't like you know what these guys, they're all right. But they need a break. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to move to another school district and live with my father. Like, I don't, I, was that any, at any framework for you? No, nah, it wasn't a break. Like, my mindset was forever. Like, I'm, I'm one of those, <laughs> if I make a decision, that's for the rest of my life until I change my mind. And So and, poignant. You know what? <laughs> I'm going to be real. I'm going to do it 100%. Until, nah, and then I'll do something else. Yeah, that's the foundation of my life, bro. Uh, mm-hmm. Cause then I don't have, I don't have to like, you know, if I give a hundred percent, I won't, I won't regret it. You know, I mm-hmm. gave my all. Fuck it. If my all wasn't enough, it wasn't enough. I'll do something else. But in terms of that scenario, that was more of, you know, we were a, a family moving to this rich white neighborhood, and they want me to change and and, and integrate into their world, but. My, my parents are still doing this backwards, lack of a better term, black shit. Like, this, y'all still carrying around, carrying on this black shit to me in this white society. And it's just not fitting. And if mm-hmm. I'm going to be treated, if I'm going to be in, incorporated in this black ideology of how to raise up a child, then I'd rather just be with the father whose dick I came out of and let him beat the shit out of me. Since, it's mm-hmm. just, since that seems to be the, the common thread here that spare the rod, spoil the child is y'all favorite quote. And fuck all y'all. I'll go to this nigga and get beat down by him and there. 
And then that way, that way I won't hate you guys. Because <laughs> right now, yeah. it's just turning, and it's turning into just rage. Like, I'm in this new environment, learning all this new shit, new cultures, new everything. But y'all doing the same old shit to me and expecting me to change. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. Hmm. I remember the exact day, the moment, the scenario, why it happened. Mom giving me the phone. I mean, it was situations like that that I think kind of taught our mother to stop trying me. <laughs> like, in a, in a sense. Because it would, it would be like, I did that. And then I did the New York thing, and it was like these were conversations between my mom that I were having that would push me to do them because it was almost like she was daring me not to do it or daring mm. me that I couldn't do it. And I was like, "Oh, you must not know me. I'll fail before I before I let you see me fail." Yeah, but that sounds sounds like some real baby of the family privilege bullshit. Yeah, maybe. to be honest, <laughs> maybe I was I'm maybe gonna not not I'm going to call your bluff and the the. To like completely push myself out of the nest, but also deeply require your assistance at every, <laughs> every step of the. How's that a bit? That's not even. I don't even know if that even makes sense. Like, as like a something that a character in a movie would say. <laughs> not. Oh no. Uh, I I don't think I can. I don't think I can live under your house, but also uh, I need <laughs> I need you to help me with my other lodging. Right, right. Nah, I see. I see what you're saying. Um, not to say that my mom. Not to say that our mom would like deny me or Kendrick uh, the the value of of her uh, her you know grace. I'm just saying we probably wouldn't go in being like, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to really stick it to mom. <laughs> <laughs> she don't know who she made, carried in her womb, raised for <laughs> for uh, 60 years so far and then 24 years from now and then 30 years from now. Oh, I'm going to get her. Good. Oh, she's going to have egg on her face being my mom. Show her what's what. How dare she? Raise me, <laughs> put clothes on my back. What a jerk! Yeah, it's something where else I'm spoiled. I, I don't, I don't deny that. Yeah, but, you're pretty. You know, yeah, you're pretty spoiled. But you know, it's just you know, I would have been cheaper <laughs> had other things happened. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, so, oh man, good good family therapy session. So, just real quick. Um, just want to dive into some things. It's, it's funny how how we can go so long and and only talk about one thing. Um, how familiar how familiar are you with? Because I want to end with that with my one question I want to ask you. But I want to start. I want to just brush on this for a second. Let's let's talk about my industry for a sec. So mm-hmm. how much do you know about Joe Budden podcast? Anything? None. Absolutely None? nothing. Great, great. Just like some of the listeners. Okay, so just uh, to make a long story short, what's happening is the, the Joe Budden podcast is one of the biggest podcasts um, on the platform of podcasting. And right now, they're, uh, internally, they're going through a little tiff, right? Some of the members of the of the Joe Budden podcast um, have, I guess, taken a step back from the podcast. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're not... They're not showing up weekly, and uh, it was Joe Button's choice because early on in the last few weeks, you saw one of the co-ho- co-hosts, uh, Rory, or Rory, sorry, 
he he was having a uh, some type of issue with Joe, and it's not disclosed, but he'll have comments on the podcast like you know what if we're not friends, uh, we can fight type of thing like all in this jokeyish way, but it's serious topics, a serious thing to say, and so Joe Budden rewatching his content basically asked Roy, hey, why don't you take a you know take a couple couple shows off you know re- reevaluate you know and ask yourself if this is something you really want to do type of thing um uh bada bing bada boom and what what happened next was i guess maul another co-host of the show he jumps in and he says it's not uh, he, he's not cool with the fact that joe's i guess exercising a power of his if if it if, if it is a power but he doesn't think it's it's like cool or it's 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 right that Joe can tell Rory not to come back for the to the podcast, especially if he's not physically putting anybody in danger. So that's so now where we're at is Joe Budden is basically hostless. He's the only host who is doing the show and he has like some feelings with friends. And now they're having you know Joe Budden's getting his shit off. He's talking about the scenario. He's 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 trying to be as transparent and as respectful to the guys as much as he can. And he basically just says, yeah, like, hopefully in a month, he gives him a time limit. He says, hopefully in, in a month, we can all get it back together and, and then come back. And then that's that's how that kind of ended, I think, up. I think his second, I think he addressed this the second time last on thir- on Saturday, on the 27th episode. Or the, and so now we're at a place where like, the internet exploded. Like, now everybody's talking about this and, you know, Maul and Mouse Jones are going back and forth on Twitter and... And, you know, people are really worried because this was a platform that not only said fuck you to the corporation name is Spotify, but they went on to do independent to 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 basically invest in Patreon. And now that's a that that's they're coming in from there. Money's coming in from there. And and we're in a place of of real beauty in the space of podcasting for their, for their show, because they are independent purely. They, they, they're sponsored with cash app and they are growing expeditiously. And they're just, you, you see a door open up where they can just deliver all this content. But now we have this moment of, of just dysfunction. And, and I was talking to, <clears throat> excuse me. I was talking to our homie, um, Tevin off mic. And he was, I basically explained to him that now this is a business. At the end of the day, this is a business. I don't think people take it as seriously. Podcasting is seriously it's a business, but I, I see it as a business. And it doesn't really matter about the personal, you know, whatever's going on, by, be it financial or uh, just just uh, codes as men. It's it, 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 it's still a business. And as Joe says in his on these last couple episodes, you know, the show must go on. And so if the show must go on, you have to understand that Maul and Roy, as much as, you know, the people love you, you're going to have to make a decision. You're going to have to decide if you want to be a part of this and keep growing and work your issues out or if you're just going to walk away from the podcast. But um, understanding, you know, for the audience that what that that if that happens that happens. It's it, it's what it is. It's business. You know, you have to the show must go on. You have to continue on with 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 your product that you're putting out there, especially now that people are paying uh, every month to subscribe to. So that's that's where we're at. And then I had like, you know, questions like, you know, what's your idea coworker or or uh, can you do business with friends? Because I know you do. You have a, a super trash bros 
business not a business but it's something you do with your group of guys and it's 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 actually something you've walked away from but it is fun to see that you know they'll call you the founder when they're writing articles about you maybe you didn't walk away from it my bad um (laughs) (laughs) i saw your face i was like oh man i made a mistake um but it's it's just interesting to see because i know you do deal with this in comedy too and so I guess I just want to hear pick your brain on on you know these type of scenarios for friends working for each other and 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 elaborating more on, on your perspective of business mm-hmm. trumping friendship when the business is profitable or should a friendship always trump no matter where the business stands. Well, I get I, I get I got two like models of this situation, maybe even three. I had like a podcast that I did with some friends in college. And uh, I think we tried to do it a year ago or two years ago over Zoom, and it just didn't work because, you know, different people, time commitments and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was a confirmation that we were no longer close, and that's okay <laughs> in that way. And then the other one, I was doing like, being a, a talent and producer and like social media guy for uh, this comedy troupe and you know one member was not reflecting my values so to speak you know and like habitually you know <laughs> And then it just came to a point where, you know, one of our friends and our collaborator was just like, oh, this is fucking bullshit. I'm out. And I was just like, you know what? Like, I value, I value what I value, which is to say, like, for me, if you are doing comedy on some bullshit, like, if you just want, like, a space to do whatever you want and not be held to any standards and also want to like benefit from a group dynamic or whatever, you know, the lack of reciprocity, the lack of uh, consequences, whatever you get out of comedy. Like if you're out here, you know, making people feel unsafe or, you know, really make not making people feel safe then i can't i can't rock with you i'm not trying to like tear you down and make it so that you could never do the thing that you would you know never want to do but like not even like that you're a liability like it hurts my heart to have to like police my friends you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and then the ultimate thing about that was like i didn't own that you know what i'm saying I came in a little bit after and I had no sway on like the swelling solo called democratic state of the group, you know, it's like unanimous votes about things until it's not. And then, then the standards aren't being upheld. And also I had moved out of there and, and was focusing on some other stuff. So it was a little bit easier to get out of that dynamic. I wasn't losing much. And then with the group I'm with now, like in addition to owning things, uh, 
not inter- not like literally, but like being there from the beginning and also being throughout having some influence on shows that like I've never been to New York, but I know all the listing agencies that I need to hit up and I know all these like different people who know me specifically from like being in the chat, being just around uh, fucking Spectre. Um, I, it's undeniable my influence on the show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. What I right. say goes and I'm open to opinions, but right. I'm pushing forward on my thing. I'll help you with your thing. But this was born not just out of like sweat equity this was born out of my ethos this is this is the spirit of the show lives in me so mm. it's kind of hard to argue against that and I'm, I'm i'm relatively fair you know i want people to succeed and i want things to grow naturally and if not naturally i want it to like blow up on the merits of the show and I say all that and then like I'm also in a better place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was way more willing to blow things up with that troop that I was in for a number of reasons than I am to like cut someone down for like giving like a slight remark about something that I did. And that just comes from like growing up and having the perspective of like you know, the things that I contribute to, it's not always someone's priority or things change or I can just internalize it for a little bit and keep doing what I'm doing and then incorporate their notes as I see fit rather than like come to a screeching heart, screeching halt and letting that affect my desire to do things and my ability to push through on things and like getting stuck with creating these different versions of people in my head that become roadblocks to not doing a video I want to do or not um, doing a project I want to do or not having a firm sense of like the path, the critical path to getting something done. Um, That's all based on, you know, therapy that's all based on who i am as a person and it other people can probably do my show you know same thing with comedy other people can do comedy other people can host rooms but if i'm not getting something out of it on in terms of joy if my joy capacity isn't near a certain threshold i can walk away from it because i know that because of all the experiences i've had I am a commodity. Whatever I do usually attracts some type of attention, even if it's not mainstream. And people appreciate that integrity and people appreciate that consistency. But at the end of the day, if I'm not getting something out of it um, that makes it feel like this is a space for me and this is a place where I can have boundaries and this is a place where I can have respect and lean into my values. Then it's just like, what am I holding this up for? What am I working so hard to do? What, what, 
what are these people doing for me that is irreplaceable by the support system in my life and my natural like aesthetics my uh, natural ability my skill my my um, my mindset my work ethic like what are these people replacing that with and if it's um if it's things that don't add to it, it it's very clear the demarcation is clear you know people who don't make you feel good there's a reason for it and mm -hmm. thankfully i have the things and around me that makes that abundantly clear and makes that incredibly optional like i can do i can i can withstand the like the best of them I've been in so many uncomfortable situations. I've, I've betrayed myself on a near constant basis for years at a time, but I don't have to do that. That's not, I don't have to, that doesn't mean I have, have to make a brand out of it. Here's OJ. He's a reliable Rube. You could really take advantage of this guy. A reliable Rube? Yeah. He, he, he'll fall for anything. Any sad sap of social engineering shit. He'll, eat that up with a fork and a spoon <laughs> i don't want people to have that perception on me i don't i don't i don't care as much about things that i cared about uh anymore you know mm. it's a nostalgic factor if i'm like oh this person i know from comedy wants me to do something let me do it it's like right that's not the that's that's no longer the bar interest is no longer the bar it's about it's about interest in the other way it's about gaining some type of equity off of it right right i just had a meeting with um our sister our stepsister about um equity and because she's a she's into that right now right like that I mean, that's her job. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the financial advisor type of thing. And that's what she said. You know, equity is stock. And so in my mind, like you just didn't have enough stock in it. And it wasn't giving you enough a return to, to continue investing into the program. So that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's certain, certain things with comedy has no stock. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's like, but the only benefit is that, like, I, I'm cool with you when I see you out in the, in, in the streets. Like, I don't have this, like, tenseness in my muscles. Like, I've been next to people who I consider, like, my enemy enemy. Like, I don't mess with you. I don't even really acknowledge you if, like, I'm walking through, walking by. I'm just like, right. we're, not, we're not cool. But I'm having a great time. Sometimes I thrive in that situation. Not that I'm, like, laughing and being, like, performatively happy around them. I just... Right. I personally reached the point where it's it the thing, the perspective you have when you can step if you're next to comedy or whatever and you're just like all you all day every day all day all night what comedy specials I'm watching what books am I reading all day and then you step back even like a foot <laughs> you just notice that like oh these are just books and comedy specials and open mics <laughs> you know and then you walk even further and you're just like oh it's just a thing that people do with softball for some people, <laughs> you know what I mean? They're holding on to their, their, the athletes, athletics of their youth 
through this right. thing. You know, they've recreated high school. Bravo. And then you walk even further than that. And you really have the sense of compassion, not just for everyone involved, but for yourself. You can start seeing yourself independently of this ecosystem of emotions, you know? So then it's just like, well, do I want to feel terrible today? No. So I'll stop hanging out with these people who make me feel terrible. I'll stop contributing to this thing that makes me feel complicit and feeling terrible. Yeah. I'm sort of different. If I, if I don't care, I'll, I'll do what you're doing. But like, if I actually care about the group and what it is, and, and not to say you don't care, because that's, that's putting words in my mouth. It's more like it just wasn't, on the balance scale, it wasn't giving you more joy than the other side. And I get that. With me, I think I can change the world. So I'll try to... <laughs> Basically, now I'm. I I was giving you seventy percent of my personality. Now I'm gonna give you the full eighty, the full ninety. Now you're finna see even more of me. Now I'm finna get confident and comfortable in this motherfucker until you're uncomfortable or you change your behavior so we're not uncomfortable anymore. Because I refuse to leave people behind in a sense, right? Because I don't wanna, like, if I see it's about to crash, I'm telling y'all, hey, 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 we can save this plane or we can we can all let it crash. I don't mind crashing with y'all, but I want to save the plane too. Um, and it becomes that mindset, like, like, and, and, and that grows. And, and so, so yeah, I'm, I'm realizing I am, a, um, I am the ticking time bomb. So therefore I like to make friends with my enemies. So if I do go off, it's for the right people. And so I, I, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird for me. I'm different. Like I said, like we try to, like we talk about off mic, you know, we're, we look so similar, but we all are the polar opposites. I, I, uh. I would rather the people, the person hate me and it's known, right? And like the people who pick sides, pick their sides and I know who they are. So that way I know how, who, how to deal with them in the future. So it's all about information gathering for me. I don't, I don't want to just leave and, and then it's just that because it isn't full enough to just leave. And it's just that for me. I got to make an impact in some way. You remember my name or you remember the situation or you remember you fucked up. Maybe you don't fuck up in your mind, but in my mind, you fucked up with me. So if you ever meet somebody like me again, I hope you consider that per- you can are more considerate of that person, and you handle handle that person with care. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Sounds like it works for you or whatever. Right. <laughs> I, I don't have the time. I got a dog. I got a. I got a partner. I got a wife. Uh, I got you know. I got things that I can do all by myself. Right, right. And that, uh, yeah, you're yeah. not wrong. You're, that is what I'm lacking. That's what I'm talking about. Telling my therapist about too. It's like I'm. I know what kind of love I want in the world. I want the balancer, but I don't have anything tethering me to this planet. Yeah. So if you push too hard, I'll just float away. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, but you know, back to the Joe thing. I mean, you know, I just hope I hope wish him the best. Um, and hopefully, you know, people people reassess and they come back and it won't be ever be the same, but hopefully it will maintain where they were. And if it's not and you know, the Rory and Maul step away, hey, man, love y'all. Uh the show must go on. So I will be up sending my application to Joe, let him know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is an hour long job interview. <laughs> ah damn. <laughs> Tricked again. I've I've I've, I've done so many resumes i've done so much editing on resumes i don't know shit about cvs or anything like that 
this what this that's what this is. Somebody had to sneak in a fucking <laughs> cover letter. I've never written those things. Those are stupid. Um all right, before we get before you get out of here, bro, I know you got to, you know, all these things to have to get back to, dog. Uh, well, actually, let me start with wife, dog, and potentially comedy watching. Um, I guess I want to end the podcast with you explaining this phenomenon to me that I just couldn't understand. Um, um, you do this thing where you forget things. How is the hell do you forget things? How do you what does that even mean? Like, I, I just live life and then do people do things that I don't like. And then I go on and I just forget about it. Wait, what are you referring to? Because last the last time we spoke, you said that you you con- you concentrate on forgetting the things, um, you know, just forgetting even what people show you of themselves. You just forget that it even happened. Or just you're just like you're gonna you're gonna leave it on the floor, and mm-hmm. that's that's counterintuitive to how I live because I don't want to repeat history. So I mm-hmm. pride myself on never really forgetting anything. Mm-hmm. But do you do you remember? I I struggle to to remember. I'm doing it now. I I don't remember <laughs> what the context was for me forgetting. Is it someone who like did something bad to something bad to me or someone I like or? In this example, it was more of you're in an Uber with Sarah and an Uber with somebody, and then mm-hmm. I think they like throw up in yeah. the Uber outside of the Uber, and then like that's your mind of them forever. Um, because I think it was comparing it to me, not comparing it, but we were talking about how I look at everything on a person and not to say anything, just to have yeah. it on me. And you'll look at it. Per- you don't even look that direction. You don't even acknowledge it because you don't care. You don't want to know about whatever it is that 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 they're trying to hide within themselves. Yeah. And it, it was kind of all for that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I understand now. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I think with a lot of people with me personally like we to know to know myself as well as I do now and knowing that there's still room for improvement still room to grow uh, and really having a lot of ways to dissect you know my history and, and, and past behaviors and things like that I can't hold anybody to a standard that I I, I that would make me a hypocrite you know and I think with a lot of people, some of it's just like straight up pernicious, straight up foul. This person's terrible. You could tell they were terrible even when they were nice to you and they just confirm who they are. And then you just set it mm-hmm. in your mind that like regardless of the growth you have, it's probably unsustainable for you to think that there's ways to mend the relationship, you know, just like ah, this person sucks. I hate them. <laughs> And then there's other people who are just like, our interactions were so brief. They were through the prism of this, like, oh, this person was in a relationship with somebody I was friends with, you know, but they always kept me, you know, they were always cool to me. Do I like troll their Facebook because they broke up with my friend? Like, no, it's just like, Mm. I can have a real compassion (laughs) for that time and that shared history, but like, it's kind of benign at this point. Like, I don't really know them. I'm not really gonna interact with them. I can still like, you know, invisible like the pictures of their dog on Instagram. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? 
And then there's other people on a completely different level that is just like, well, I didn't really even know you. And you seem like you're different now. And I'm not going to hold like you doing bad at a comedy festival in Humboldt against you. Like, that's mm-hmm. not who you are. That's not who you ever were. That's just what I know about you. And I can just use that as like trivia. But I'm not going to walk into it like, oh, there's the person that was doing bad. <laughs> <laughs> and I think ultimately my favorite thing is like, there's a you you've retained enough of your core values that even if you change a little bit i can meet you at the person you are today you know i'm not gonna like i i can acknowledge our past and also appreciate our present and really look to our future as someone who seems like they're doing the work seems like they're you know they their work they they got through some things and like we're cool and we're friends and we're probably not the same people and same relationship as we first started, but it's close enough. And that's nice. It's nice to have that as like a landmark an emotional landmark. So yeah, it's not even, I'm trying to forget some things. It's just, there's so much information that I'm processing that it's just easier to, to, engage with whatever's happening while it's happening you know like i'm it's 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 almost like clearing my cache in a a (laughs) computer sense where it's just like well did you really need to know that person's like name you know if it's changed if it's if they're different now if they have a different like ig handle like no the algorithm doesn't even make it that they're in your feed all the time. So like, why, like, just say, Oh, look, so-and-so is, I feel like the past is usually weaponized against people. I think it's happened a couple times with me and it sucks. Cause like, yeah, I got my ass kicked by a girl. You know why? Cause girls are strong <laughs> and I'm an Damn idiot right. who wanted to antagonize a girl. Cause apparently it's okay in my mind to manufacture some type of uh, cerebral dominance by being just annoying rather than pushing them or punching them. That's 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 how I get uh, my entertainment or how I get how I interact with with girls as a seventh grader is I'm going to antagonize them with my brain, but they can't be mad at me because I'm not physically harming them and that's just bullshit because i should have been doing that in the first place but two (laughs) if i'm held to the standard of who i was in the seventh grade i'll never recover i'll never (laughs) recover that guy was that kid was so so hurt all the time and constantly looking for a new way to be hurt in some ways and that's i've had Certain people who host certain podcasts years later as a ninth grader bring up what happened in the seventh grade around some strangers who married into our family. Oh, wow. And it hurt then and probably would hurt less now knowing what Fuck everything that I, guy, right? Yeah, that guy was a piece of shit. But I'm not going to hold, I'm not going to hold 
that instance of that guy against the person that I meet going forward. You know, I can let I can let that go for a lot of reasons. One, because I love that guy. I appreciate that guy. I understand where that guy's coming from. That guy was insecure. That guy has grown. That guy's, what, literally 20 years later, he's grown into a different person, and I appreciate that person. And ultimately, uh, it's most of it is funny. Like, that's the thing. If it's not harming anything or anybody, it's usually just funny. Like the trivia, I know, I, you know, you can weaponize it against people if you'd like, but like a, a lot of it is just like a cosmic irony. And isn't that, it should be celebrated, the things that people have done that doesn't harm people uh, rather than being seen as like who they are or an indictment of their character. It's usually just like, oh yeah, that's pretty weird. Yeah, nah. Um, uh, yeah, that's definitely stuck with you for a reason. I'm sure, traumatizing and all. Um, was I wasn't trying to. I wasn't trying to make you feel. <laughs> I'm not. I, I, I am not uh, confirming or denying that certain host of certain podcast was the person who, uh, uh, you know, and I'm referring to. Nor do I. <laughs> No, no, hold I'm any resentment to said alleged person i'm just saying that as a, an example of of uh people people can be um in their boredom or in their insecurity people can be um very loose with the past as if right. that's like an endearing character quality like oh that person person is has some information and they're willing to blackmail everybody. What's their reward? Nothing. They get nothing from it. <laughs> yeah, in hindsight, I think I owe you an apology because, like, like as I'm feeling your feelings or trying to in the moment of how I would feel, like in that moment, I've always said you were you were a godsend as a brother because I I'd have beat the shit out of me a long time ago. <laughs> Keep a full buck with you. Um, but no, for that instance, I will apologize because that was that was insecurity, that was um, anger towards you, um, you know, for just being a. Just, I'm the younger brother. I just I want to make myself look bigger than you, and looking bigger than you is bigging up bullshit that everybody does with their life anyway. So yeah, apology, my brother. I love you, and I won't do that again. I promise. And. Um, Apology accepted. The, I love you. Thank you. And in terms of the other one, was that the was that the lady what you threw the snowball at? Is that that situation? Wait, what are you talking about? Um, for the girl you were hitting at the school, because at first I thought maybe you liked her. That was my question, but I'm, I'm wondering if that's the girl with the snowball incident. I don't. I don't remember the snowball incident. I got. I got beat up in two consecutive, <laughs> like last week of school. I think it was sixth grade and seventh grade, uh, where you know, you know, there's nothing going on at the last week of school in middle school anyway. There's no like, no, nothing to really look forward to. And I think just people, people just, just, I think, uh, on two separate occasions, I got, I got on the wrong side of somebody, and rightfully they, they, they set up a boundary, and the, that boundary included their fists, uh, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, 
I, I have empathy for everyone involved. The, <laughs> the, the girl, the seventh and sixth grade version of me, the teachers, the schooling board, all of them. They're, they're right. dealing with some, some real silliness. That's interesting. Because I, I do remember us going home and like them being in that um, out of one of your friends, one of our neighbor's houses and uh, me seeing them and making it a thing like, like I'm about to go out and get them, like mm-hmm. get their attention. And mom telling me, no, stop. Like it's like a serious mom. And she's like pissed that I'm even about to play around like that. I, I just remember that scene in my mind. Um, and so it was just interesting if that was that case. But uh, I'm not saying that it didn't happen. I'm just saying that it, it didn't. It it didn't matter enough to to retain uh, the multiple backup hard drive cleanings <laughs> that I've done. I've had oh, to get rid of so many files. I'm sorry that that one did not make the cut. <laughs> oh man! All right, bro. Um, I believe you with a question just to hold on to for the next time we talk. Um, which is, are we assholes for taking people's bliss away? And so we, I'll leave, I'll leave that for you. Yeah, I'll think about it. I'll talk to you yeah. later. All right, bro. I uh, love you. I love the audience. I love that any of you guys listen to this. Thank you for joining us um, again uh, for another episode of You Got a Story. Now disconnected from You Got a Story podcast. <laughs>